Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to God Stories. It's 8.04. Uh, we're just a little bit late having to deal with some dogs and running around the house. He's actually standing at the door. Uh, we're letting him sit on the porch to get his energy out. <laughs> he was barking at everything this morning. Well, we've got Susan here again. Good morning. Yeah, and I uh, wanted her to share something that she's started to learn the last few years of uh, walking with the Lord, uh, trying to hear his voice, because we all are trying to, you know, hear his voice even more. You know, of course, some of us are, some of us aren't. You know, there's times where you don't really feel like you're, you want to listen to his voice, and then you just kind of do your own thing. But, you know, every, every day is a death. You know, every day is a death to walk with God and, and to lay down your old voice, the, the voices up in your head to, to do your own thing, to do your own will. And uh, normally that leads to death anyway. And uh, that leads to living in the flesh and not living in the spirit. But God's given us his voice. Uh, he's given us our ears to hear his voice. You know, that was originally... Uh, why he gave men ears was not just to listen to the sounds of this earth, but the original uh, design for man's ears was to hear the voice of God. And uh, I just wanted her to share because when she, you know when she was baptized and filled with the Spirit, and she began a whole new walk uh, with the Lord. And when you start beginning a, a new walk with the Lord, he has to start training your ears to, to hear him again because you're just so used to hearing other things other than the Lord. It's not that the Lord doesn't speak. It's just that we haven't sometimes been trained to hear that voice. And uh, when you start hearing it, you start recognizing, oh my gosh, I've been hearing him this whole time, but haven't recognized that it was God. So I want you to share that. Story we were sure. talking about last night. So this was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple years ago, and we were uh, at a workshop, and uh, the uh, pastor of the workshop asked each of us to get in a line whereby we were facing another person, and he the task task was to prophesy to the person across from you. You had like a minute, and then you would move next to the next person. And Brad was to my right, and I had never done anything like this before, and I just went for it. And I thought, what do I have to lose? I'm going to go for it, right? How hard can this be? So I'm standing there across. The first one was this lady across from me, and she was an older woman with some glasses. And I just looked at her, and I said, ma'am, I said, I really see you. You're a lover of books. I see you, you know, reading profusely and really enjoying that. And she says, oh, no, I hate writing and reading. I, don't, I haven't even read a book in years. And I went, Oh, okay. And then it was boom, we moved to the next person. And the next person I was across from this gentleman, and I just looked at him and I felt like I could see him. I, I saw it in my head that he was he would tinker a lot on cars. And I saw with the hood open of the car and he was in there messing around, changing the oil and doing everything like that. And I said, Sir, I, I see that you have a love for working on cars and you're really talented in that. And he said, I can't even change a tire. I can't get the oil change. I have to go bring it in. My wife gives me a hard time because I can't do anything. And I thought, wow, man, I'm really doing a really good job. And meanwhile, I hear Brad next to me. He's prophesying and he's saying, um, all right, when you were a little boy and you were five years old, you fell off the red wagon and you scraped your left knee and your mom took you. And he's like, yes, that happened. I mean, the detail that Brad had. And I thought, I can't even get this right. But, you know, 
I just kind of was like, well, you know, I've got to work on this. And um, so I kept doing it and years would go by and I'd have an opportunity to do it. And, you know, most of the time I wouldn't get it right. And um, I would just laugh it off like I'm just so new at this. And recently I started uh, just going for it again. And there was one person recently that we were all giving words to. And I saw a picture of Raggedy Ann. I saw her as Raggedy Ann. And I said, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I just see you dressed and look just like Raggedy Ann. I don't know if that has any meaning to you. <clears throat> well, at first she didn't really say anything to me. And I thought, well, I probably, I probably got that wrong again. Oh well. Well, later on that same evening, she sent me a Facebook messenger and a picture of her dressed up like Raggedy Ann. That that was just something that she, as a little girl, related to and as an adult, she would dress up as. And I thought, why didn't she say anything at the time? But um, and then the most recent, I think we were in Charleston this weekend and we were checking into the hotel and there was the gentleman behind the counter checking us in and a uh, very nice man. And I just felt this urge. I just saw him on like sailboats, you know, the kind where it was like a catamaran or something like that. And I saw him just really enjoying sailing. I said, sir, I know this may sound odd. I said, but I just see you sailing. Is that something you enjoy doing or is a passion of yours and he said well um, I have sailed I'm from Rhode Island and you know I've been around Newport and I have sailed and it was kind of like I thought well I missed that again when they didn't he say something about his dad him and his dad used to sail in the in Rhode Island right but I really felt like I missed it um, because he wasn't really excited about it and he kind of just sloughed it off like it was no big deal and I looked at Brad I went there I go again, I, I missed it again, oh well, you know, and you said. I said that, you know, that was really the Lord, it was his father, because he, you know, remembered him and his dad used to sail, but it was basically the Father of Heaven actually talking to him about his sailing, trying to get him back to his childhood, but, uh, you know, of course she thought, <laughs> she thought she missed it because, you know, she's kind of used to missing things and so forth, but uh, after we went up on the elevator and was explaining to her, you know, and a lot of times the Lord may just give you part of stuff, you know, and the, and that man will probably remember that moment and start, you know, just trying to articulate why did that happen because it was so strange, but it, it makes someone have to think back or even think about what just happened to them and allows them to posture themselves to actually hear God again. And then the voice of God will start speaking to them in that midst of that little weird moment with Susan. You know, he will use us to get people's attention with God. We don't necessarily have to be accurate. You know, sometimes you can be not even accurate and God can use that kind of stuff because you know, you got to understand trying to speak the voice of God, sharing the voice of God and trying to share what you think God is, is speaking is going to be completely out of the box you know, with people. It's going to be a, a design weird, strange moment. And it's going to make people have to stop in the midst of all their thinking, the way that their arrangement of thinking is arranged for that day. And uh, they're, it's called, caused them to remember, man, why did that happen? And when they say to that in their head, and they're trying to figure out why did that happen, it causes them to actually turn and have to actually listen to a voice that they haven't heard in a long time. And that's kind of a, what I call a moment of grace to actually listen to the Lord. And so sometimes the Lord will use you as just a strange person. I don't care if you miss it. Uh, 
that's something me and uh, Susan were talking about last night when we were watching TV about, you know, her missing it, you know, and so forth. A lot of times when you miss it, you know, you don't want to do it again or you, or you feel like you're going to mess up again, you know, and you, you're not really pleasing the Lord, right? Oh, yeah. Because um, I thought, well, why am I doing this? Because I'm getting it wrong and I'm looking so foolish. Um, <laughs> but Brad really taught me about, you know, the Lord appreciates your obedience. The Lord sees your faith and your obedience and you'll be blessed for that. And I thought, well, it wasn't so much doing it for that as it was. I would love just to be able to touch people and, and get them to turn to God. And so, you know... All I can say is, like me, just keep doing it. Keep yeah. putting yourself out there. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You get it wrong. You laugh it off. But you've given yourself an opportunity to get it right. And when you do, you can really make a difference in someone's life. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, just remember, you know, it's not your performance that pleases God, which is a lot of we've come out of, you know. I mean, if you don't walk right, if you don't do of course, you know you're supposed to walk with the Lord and, and actually walk right. But when you're analyzing everything that you do, uh, you're basically judging yourself all the time. Man, if I don't do this right, if I don't please so-and-so, if I don't do this, you you're kind of have a subconscious thinking of thinking that your actions actually please God or even sometimes please people. If you are trying to please God, you will find yourself people-pleasing, which makes people turn off from you. And that's because God has turned off, you know, because if you're people-pleasing, it's not going to really please God. You're doing everything out of works. And, but if you do things by faith, and I don't care if you miss it, you know, every time she was in that line, you know, saying, I see you as a child, or I see you as a mechanic doing this, you know, and the guy goes, no, I don't no, know. I don't even, not, not even, even close. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's... Even though that seems like a failure, you know, it's a success with God. And, and I, that goes to something that just came to me. You know, even Jesus, you know, he's, he's at the cross. He's hanging on the cross. He says, Father, why have you forsaken me? He thinks that, oh my gosh, this has been a failure. This has been something I believed, you know, it's, and one of the reasons is because sin has now attached himself to, to the Lord and it's detached his consciousness to be aware that the father was there, but the father was there. And, uh, he's thinking he, he was a, it was a total failure at that one moment, but to God, it was a total success because it was by his faith. It caused God to interact with him and actually raise him from the dead and allow him to take on our sin so that we can be saved. But even at that point, Jesus is thinking, oh my gosh, I failed, but heaven says you succeeded. And so sometimes, you know, you, you're going to think that you failed, like her saying that thing about the, him being a mechanic. He goes, no, but heaven's actually praising that moment because it, it's not about her being accurate. It's about her basically trying to trust God, please God with faith, not actions. And that's, that's a huge one there, especially, I mean, and I know. Well, and to push through, yeah. you know, when I'm a, when I feel like I need to say something, the first thing that comes on is no, you're not going to get it right and don't do it. 
um, just keep your mouth closed kind of thing. And I have to push through that. It's like my flesh is saying, no, no. But I know that I'm supposed to. And the more I start learning and walking through this, and the more I see that something's coming at me to either shut me down, close my mouth, I know now that that's confirmation for me to actually do the opposite. I'm supposed to open my mouth and say it. And I, I do, I push through those moments. And even though I may not get it right, I'm still glad that I do it because I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. And I think is the more you do it, I think it's like sharpening a skill. You'll get better, you'll get more comfortable, you'll get more accurate. Um, and so I look forward to those days <laughs> when I'm accurate <laughs> every time like he is. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Now, to, now, the way we grew up, you know, even in the Jewish culture, it's always about performance, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's just part of our just heritage. There's such a strong emphasis on uh, works, performance, education, um, tremendous pressure. I mean, growing up, it wasn't um, where are you going to go to college or if you're going to go to college, it's where. So when you're like a freshman in high school, we're already now taught, you know, as a, you know, as being Jewish, get ready to start preparing for college because, you know, it'll prepare you better for getting, you know, a higher level job. Um, there's just immense pressure and expectation um, for you to perform. And um, it's, it's intense. And when you, when you would miss it though, you kind of feel that. This is like, like a failure. In fact, I used to have a sign, a little sticker on my computer at home that said fear of failure because it was so inbred in me that if I fail, that I've let somebody down, that I'm inadequate, um, I didn't measure up, you know, and this, this icky feeling, this dread would come over me um, and stop me in my tracks. And so I'm learning still to just know that that's not what it's about. Um, it's not about your performance. It's about your obedience and your faith. And, you know, even if you just put yourself out there a little bit, God sees that, you know, I remember, and it's kind of, I just thought of this. There was a, a moment, um, a couple years ago where I had a Jewish girlfriend who I was visiting in Nashville, Tennessee. And, um, I had told her that I became a believer and she was in awe of it. And she said, I've been watching this Catholic show and I'm really interested and I, I want to be baptized. And I thought, well, that's great. And she said, no, I want you to baptize me. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm not the right person. You know, I, you know, surely there's someone else more qualified than me. And she said, no, I, because you're Jewish, I want you to baptize me. And we were at dinner. I remember thinking, I need to call Brad because I don't know how to do this and I want to get it right. Again, that performance thing. So I, I called Brad and he said, you know, just pray, pray this over her. And so I knew obviously I had to get her submerged in some water. So I thought, well, we'll just do it in uh, my hotel room's bath, bathtub. Well, I didn't have a bathtub, I had just a shower. So we go downstairs to the um, hotel lobby and said, is there a way I can switch rooms where there's a, a tub? And he said, no man, we're booked. And this was like at eight o'clock at night. They didn't have a pool, right? No pool. In fact, I asked if there was even a public pool. And they said, well, you know, there's a YMCA, but they're closed. So I thought, well, maybe we're not supposed to do this. I mean, it just seems like we're hitting roadblock after roadblock. And I thought, this just probably isn't the right thing to do. And she still said, no, I, I, let's do this. So we went back up to my hotel room and we, I had a, a shower where there was like a little bit of a ledge and then you stepped into the shower. And I thought, well, maybe that's enough water for us. So we plugged the drain and turned on the shower and filled up the shower. It was probably about this deep. 
and we laid her down and we she got submerged but the water started coming out of the shower into the bathroom <laughs> and um, we baptized her and I remember afterwards we were so excited and laughing in fact two Jewish girls danced around the hotel room saying Hava Nagila Hava and we thought oh my gosh the Lord's probably looking down going you crazy girls much of crazy <laughs> but um, the fact that we did it that we were obedient that you know that we followed through with what was in her heart we didn't let any roadblock stop us you know I'll never forget that day I felt so honored and here I was saying no I'm not qualified but I, that day marked me I felt so privileged and honored that she would want me to do that and I'll never forget that moment. And I know she won't either. You know, anybody that would be, you know, uh, anal about how you're supposed to baptize, that just blows it completely out of the water. Because it, it's not how you baptize, it's, it's the heart of the matter. You know, they were sincere. They were trying to really please the Lord. And it didn't matter if the girl was half submerged, you know. <laughs> Uh, it was the it was the heart of the matter trying to get her in the water so that she could be baptized according to the way the Lord said it to be, but their heart was right, you know, and that was probably more of a true baptism that it was than it was you know filling up the baptism in a church and dunking somebody you know because you you know even i 've known people that you know are anal about how you baptize what name you say, and things of that nature but it's it's the it 's the heart of the matter that god 's looking at and uh Man, that day, I'm sure, you know, heaven was pleased. She called me and said, well, we got her baptized. And I said, how'd you do it? We plugged up the, the shower. And I was like, plugged up the shower? Yeah, there was water running over the little edge. And I just started laughing. I thought, man, that's a, that's a real God story. You know, here are these two little Jewish girls trying to do the right thing. And I mean, if she just dunked her head in the sink, <laughs> you know, it, it would have worked, you know, because it, it, her, their heart was right to please the Lord. And so don't get into, you know, trying to perform it right. Just get into trying to walk with the Lord and try to please him with your faith. Performance will kill you. It will really kill you. And there's, there's a couple of scriptures I wanted to share uh, for us because, you know, we all, of course, the, the Lord says, my sheep hear my voice. And you've got to re realize that you are his sheep. Everyone out there, he considers his sheep, but some of them don't consider them his sheep, but he does. And whatever he says goes. I mean, if you're a sheep, you're going to hear his voice. And if he says it, you're going to hear his voice. The main thing is hearing his voice. To, uh, what makes you a sheep and a goat, the difference, the difference between being a sheep as a goat is a sheep will hear the, the, the shepherd's voice and follow it. A goat will still hear the shepherd's voice but it will not follow it. They're stubborn. They'll want to do their own thing. That's just the fine line between sheep and goat. And it, it, just to turn into a sheep, and uh, all you got to do is just start listening to his voice. You start following him. I know this sounds crazy, but you'll be transformed from a goat to a sheep if you start really listening to his voice and obeying it. Another thing is to, if you want to start really being accurate in hearing God's voice for other people, you've got to start being accurate and listening to the voice for your own life and obeying it. A lot of people in their life obey, uh, hear God's voice, but they're not obeying it. And that really makes a difference in, because you, you get to learn God's voice on your own. And then when he speaks to someone, you'll start understanding, wow, this is God. The same voice that I've been obeying is the same voice that's speaking to me for another person. 
So obeying his voice is very, very key to being accurate in the prophetic as well. And for me, I think, um, and following with what you're saying, trying to hear that since I'm still learning, I'll ask the Lord, I'm learning to ask the Lord, you know, what do you want to do today, Lord? What would you like me specifically to do today? Would you like me to, this is what I had planned. This is what I'd like to accomplish. What would you like for me to do today, Lord? And I'll sit there in quieter with, with some worship music and then I'll hear it and then I'll obey. And Brad's also taught me about you know, when you pray, we all have what we want. You know, Lord, please send more cases for my business. You know, please heal this, Lord. And that's all well and good. But do you pray and ask, Lord, what do you want to pray? And align our prayers with his. And that's something, that was a total shift in my perspective. I thought, I never even thought of that. I was just praying what I wanted. But to pray what actually he wants to get done, I mean, we have to partner with him. So I'm learning now to ask the Lord, what would you like to pray? And wait and hear it and then pray that with him That's as good. a partner. And in Genesis uh, 3, verse 10, two things I just wanted to share with you before we go. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve, of course, woke up, both of them woke up at different times to, and they were geared and designed to hear the voice. And then you, you see them being tricked up by the serpent and they disobey God's voice and they listen to the voice of the serpent. And then we find them falling into sin and, and falling away from God. But the weird thing about this is that God shows up in the garden and it says they heard his voice in the garden. Now they have fallen from God, listened to the serpent's voice, but in that strange, they're still designed to hear his voice. But what really tripped them up was when they heard the voice, they ran from it. And that's, that's the key to, uh, not doing that. You get you, when we hear his voice, you run to it. In other words, you obey it, go toward his voice and what he is saying. And it will cause you to get back into that per se garden again with God. But they were prophetically choosing to get out of the garden. And that garden really as a foundation of your life. If you really want to have a real blossoming garden, fruitful garden, you got to run to the voice, it, but they were running from the voice. So they were basically saying, you know, we're, we don't want to hear that voice anymore. We're afraid of that voice. And it caused them to run from him and out of the garden. It caused them to be cursed and come out of that place where God had designed them to walk in. And uh, I can tell you, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're away from God, it doesn't matter if you're running from God, he still wants to come in your day and speak to you. The main thing you've got to do now is start running to him so that you can enter back into that place of the kingdom of God where there's righteousness, joy, peace, and, and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's awesome. There's nothing like running toward the voice of God. There, I don't care what he says, if you just start obeying it, there is something in you that starts aligning up and bringing order back in your life. And everything else that you've ever needed starts being added to you. That's why it says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. That's what she's talking about. Start praying and listening to what he wants instead of what we want. That's the main thing that the Satan did was he got them to... Uh, think of things that they wanted instead of what God wanted them to do. And that, that becomes, that gets you into a place of selfishness 
which separates you from the voice of God, separates you from that place with God that can actually produce fruit in your life. And uh, man, we've, we've really got to hear him. We really do. There's no telling how many times I've missed it or thought I've missed it. Now, while you were talking, you know, there's one little story that I had. Uh, uh, I went down, I was, I was with a, a really good friend of mine. We were doing a, uh, this was when I was really young, guys. I mean, I was trying my best to walk with God. I was trying my best to obey him. You know, when you're really hungry and you're going after God, man, you, you'll obey a fly that goes by. <laughs> I mean, you'll think it's God, you know. And, uh, and I went down to the lobby, and uh, there was all these businessmen, you know, uh, getting their food and getting their uh, breakfast and and it was packed with them. All of them had suits on, and, and, I, and I was ready. You know, I, I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to pray for that man that's reading the newspaper. Man, he had that newspaper up, and you sit down in a chair. And I, I could just tell, oh, Lord, he's going to kill me, you know, because you, he didn't have that good of an attitude. I walked over to him and stood beside him. I said, hey, uh, do you have sinus issues? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, I think God wants to heal you. And you went, huh. And uh, I said, do you mind if I pray for you? And and I went to lay hands on him. He goes, don't you touch me. And, uh, and I went, oh, uh, okay. He goes, you can pray right there. I mean, he was saying it really loud. And guys were like looking around. And here's this young man in the late 20s, you know. And I'm just standing there. And I, now I'm nervous and freaking out. Now I feel like I'm this Jesus freak, you know. And I mean, I feel so, I want to run. I, honestly, I want to run and cry, <laughs> you know. And, and I stood there next to him and I said, Lord Jesus, I ask that you heal this man of his sinuses, you know. And I couldn't raise my hands or anything because he didn't want me to do anything. And it felt so terrible. And while I was saying it, he pops the newspaper and puts it around his head like this. <laughs> like, uh, he's not, like I'm not even there. And after I finished, man, all the businessmen are looking at me like, this guy's an idiot, you know. And I ran to the, uh, literally, ran to the uh, elevator, and that elevator door couldn't open quick enough. And I got in there, and I started, I started crying. And the reason I was crying is because I was so embarrassed, you know. And, uh, and I said, Lord, I did it, I did it, and I'm, so, I'm sorry I did it the wrong way. He, gets, he said, you did it the right way. I'm proud of you, son. Mm -hmm. And man, then I really started crying because I, I was crying for one, I was an idiot and a fool, but the other I was crying because, you know, I heard that God was pleased with me. But uh, you're always going to feel sometimes like an idiot doing this stuff, but you wouldn't believe how God is pleased with you. But the thing you got to die from is that being proper type thing, you know, uh, you're going to think you're a Jesus freak and think, and you probably are. That's a good thing, but heaven loves Jesus freaks, but you're not going to line up to society. It's just not going to line up. You look at the Lord and the way he walked. He did not line up to society. He didn't heal people the way that, you know, they normally did. He didn't even do it at the right time. He, he'd always break, you know, barriers and break all of those rules of society, but man, it made society a lot happier. So we're just trying to say this because I, I wanted her to get on because when we were talking about her, you know, trying to hear the voice of God, I thought, man, that's a good God story is to be able to maybe help people if they're out there trying to hear the voice of God, but feel like they can't it, just go for it. 
Just think of me. Yeah, just think of us two idiots. I mean, if us two idiots can do it, we know that you can. And don't forget, man, I mean, I mean if, if you're hearing the voice of God or if you hear something that the Lord's telling you to do, just do it. Don't run from it. Go for it. All right? All right, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope it helped, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.